Hey, welcome to Your Voice Matters podcast. This fourth season is entitled Voices for Change. In this regard, I will interview different industry experts, business leaders and change makers. My guests use their voice and expertise to make the world a better place. Many of my guests were, at some point, my clients, others not, but all of them have an important message to share with the world. Today I have with me Nadia Alfertazi. Nadia is a human resilience expert. She has worked for nearly two decades at NATO. Her last position was a senior executive at NATO Communications and Information Agency, responsible for digital transformation and cybersecurity. Nadia designs and, fac and facilitates resilience and readiness strategies and helps her clients to manage change through the digital disruptions. Nadia possesses her latest credentials in the field of emotional intelligence and has trained with leading experts in the area. She's now the CEO and founder of Thrive with IQ, and her mission is to help people build emotional firewalls in the digitalized world so they can bend but not break. Nadia, welcome to this podcast. Thank you very much, Ines, for having me. I'm very excited to be here today with you. Uh, Nadia, I'm very, very curious about your, your journey because you worked for NATO and you were a cybersecurity expert. And how does that lead you to be an emotional intelligence coach? It's interesting because we have association when we say cybersecurity expert that it's naturally technical, right? So I, I worked at the NATO Communication Information Agency. Before that, it was the NATO Command Control Consultation. So it was always in the area of cyber and the digital transformation. And we had the great teams of technical experts and IT professionals. And my job was always to translate that into human language for the non technical people, right, for the different kinds of stakeholders. So I was always in a position facing customers, which were our member nations, which were our different departments, in how do we implement this security mindset, right, when it comes to cyber, but also digital transformation, and help our soldiers and civilians in the field in protecting the transatlantic area. There's a lot of work that goes in it. There are different strands. My specific work throughout all these years was always in translating the security, the technology, the cyber aspect into different maps of the world. And this requires a lot of emotional intelligence, right? People are not processes or technology to be managed. So I always worked with people from more than 40 countries at all levels, and I loved it. I loved building bridges. I loved fostering understanding and helping people adopt, you know, this see security as an enabler and not a barrier. And uh, I did this for 18 years in different capacities in different countries as well. And it requires a lot of resilience, right? Not only... Mm -hmm. uh, professional level but also personal level and the reason why I say I help people not break but bend is because I broke I mm -hmm. uh, after eight years I hit burnout and I I couldn't handle all the pressure the personal pressure the professional pressure and uh, so I went through the whole spectrum of resilience and I came out of it stronger wiser excited full of passion which led me to found uh, Tribe with EQ and help people. Uh, what I call emotional firewalls is when you think of a computer, they have firewalls. You don't let everything in, you control. And people are not computers, right? Our brain is, uh, and I'll talk a little bit later about it. It's mm -hmm. an organ. And uh, we react based on the environment, on the senses that we get, on our past experience what we learned as children, right, our mental models. And now in this age of information overload, disinformation, mm -hmm. so much information, so many security challenges, so many fear-mongering headlines, so many social media comments, bots, you know, all kinds of words that trigger people's emotions, we tend to react, right, we tend to internalize. 
and it really reduces our capacity to thrive, to improve our social intelligence, our social functioning as human beings in the age of, of technology, uh, accelerated technology. So I, I, I think mm -hmm. technology is wonderful. I think it can be used for so much good, but mm -hmm. we have to look at the polarity, right? There's always mm -hmm. the extreme. So I work with organizations in, in building healthy security cultures from a people perspective. How do you help people adopt new habits that where security is ingrained and not an afterthought, where it's not seen as a burden. It is mm -hmm. a people behavioral issues, which is why emotional intelligence is key. And I also uh, talk a lot and uh, write a lot and do a lot of podcasts and videos about mm -hmm. emotional firewalls to inspire and help individuals, right? How they can better protect themselves against the cyber criminals, against the cyber scams, how to have better uh, emotional resilience to navigate the challenges. When we talk about resilience, we think it must be a big life-changing event, right? Or trauma, which is often how do you bounce back of that? But in now, today's age, it can be a difficult conversation with your colleague or your boss. It mm -hmm. can be conflict. It can be the situation at home. I think when we look, there is, uh, since the pandemic, studies and research have shown that a lot of women have, you know, quit their job because they couldn't handle juggling everything at the same time. And, mm -hmm. and is it fair? Not at all, right? So I think there are many aspects. What I love to do is inspire those women to have those emotional firewalls, to build mm -hmm. more resilience, mm -hmm. to not take everything on their shoulders and, and, and use my own, I think, statistics and theory is wonderful, but I've been there. <laughs> Mm -hmm. yes exactly you were you have been there and you were that's this is really interesting and you were um mentioned you mentioned the polarity of the technology so all the good that we can have from technology but also we are more exposed than ever so what are the dangers that you see you were talking about exposure to social media to cyber attacks so should we be aware that unconsciously affects us and that it's all around us and came sometimes, you know, mostly for, from technology. So I love to take the approach, story, science and strategy, right? I, I am kind of a neuroscience geek, but the first part I need to share in order to be able to answer your question more fully, right? So if one great neuroscientist psychologist who, had, who has uh, written uh, several books on emotional intelligence and, and how our brain affects, you know, the, the, the way we see and live with technology is Lisa Feldman Barrett. And she has great advice and videos that are easy digestible. So I'm just going to very quickly summarize uh, what emotions are and how this affects us in today's age when it comes to technology and affects our well-being and mental health. Now, we believe, or many may believe, and I, when I say this, people roll their eyes, that our brain is designed for thinking. It is not designed for thinking. Its primary job, its most important job is for survival, right? And why is this? So imagine your brain is a body budget regulator. Its job is to help you survive. Starting decades, centuries ago, right from the cave period to now, mm -hmm. How do we survive and how do we act against threat? So when it sends, for example, you had a bad night of sleep, you don't have enough energy, you didn't eat well, or the glucose level is low, whatever, if there is an energy deficit or even an energy surplus, your brain has a system that interprets that as there is danger, we need to work to, to make sure you balance again. And these create general feelings, which scientists call as a fact. So what happens often, and this is obviously nuanced and it has to be taken into context, but it is a lot of times we may feel very tired because of energy deficit. And then we tell ourselves stories. I may be depressed. I may be sad. Uh, you get angry, right? So, and then you feel very uncomfortable. So instead of asking or looking, what does my body need? We may then go on technology or social media or try to escape the discomfort. I always say, you have to learn how to become comfortable with discomfort, right? Mm -hmm. 
another great book, Dopamine Nation, from a Stanford professor, Anna uh, Emger, I believe her name is. And she explains that, and this is very important with social media technology, that dopamine is the hormone, brain hormone for motivation, for reward. So when we are on social media, and now a lot of people love getting the likes, getting the validations, right? We tend to compare our self-worth with our net worth. Then the dopamine center is activated, the reward, pleasure, want more and more. However, at the other end, polarity is also pain. And if we mm -hmm. have not learned how to feel pain, right, we will actually feel more pain because we will try to get the pleasure, right? We'll try to get the escape. And they did some research and, you know, addictions, uh, whether it's drug addiction or any other type of addiction, is similar similarities when it comes to social media addiction or technology addiction. So mm -hmm. it's really finding the balance between learning how to feel pleasure, but also how to feel pain. And this is where mm -hmm. positive negative emotions comes back mm -hmm. the other element of emotional intelligence is emotion so we are our brain subconscious mind our beliefs our behaviors are formed between the age of zero and seven years old this is a crucial uh, period so this is how we learn what emotions mean to us based on the thoughts based on the behaviors from our caregivers and environment and culture now, you can only imagine when you look at the different generations, the generations that grew up with iPads and technology and iPhone, how mm -hmm. their brain, right, the information, how is, that is impacting their cognition and how it feeds mm -hmm. uh, their mind. So uh, this causes a lot of threat perception, right? Mm -hmm. If we take uh, young girls who, who it's really sad because the body image and comparison and mm -hmm. at least even suicide i think there was a study showing that young girls between 12 and 15 years old are twice at risk at suicide because of this comparison now what mm -hmm. happens right the brain again not primarily designed for thinking so if you continue to process or absorb negative information or information doesn't make you feel good enough or you're not there where you want to be whatever it is based on your mental models right mm -hmm. then it's going to create a lot of energy deficit so here you have a lot of negative general feelings. You have emotions that uh, are constructed based on your mental model. So it's, you know, we are in survival mode, the negative thinking. And for different generations, it will be different. Like for me, I had to struggle with the uh, growing up in a bicultural environment where already being an immigrant's daughter and, you know, growing up in a very, not poor family, but we were a low class family and had to work for my own money. I never felt good enough. So I was always, you know, that was draining my energy because the emotions mm -hmm. of not feeling good enough, of, of sadness, of distrust, et cetera, et cetera, right? Self-reliance. And all that plays a role in how we show up and work and how we show up online now, right? So when we mm -hmm. talk about digital environment, what do I mean with the digital environment? I mean everything we do and process online social media transactions work remote working now we now we have our cameras on right so i see you example if you had your camera off and you you would feel perhaps your tone of voice is a bit more uh, lower or heavier because of whatever reason right i don't know but if mm -hmm. we have a conversation I may start, you know, the brain has to work extra hard to make myself feel safe, to find out what's going mm -hmm. on. Let me comment on that because that's that's very interesting. As you were saying, the digital environment nowadays is everywhere, especially now because we are working through Zoom or through Teams. And that I'm curious to know what was the impact of in our brain to not have the cues to make us feel safe. When we are speaking to a group of people and we can't see their faces, how does our brain interpret that as, as a threat? As I'm curious, I don't know if there are any studies about this, but what I know yeah. from my clients is that first in the beginning, they were very uncomfortable to speak for a camera and not seeing anyone, not having the visual cues, the body language. And now I'm having the opposite. So people are now afraid to be in front of a group of people again. So how can I deal with having a room full of people or with some with some colleagues? Uh, so what are the thoughts that you have about this? I think I'll approach it from two levels. First of all, there are some studies. Adam Grant, who is a world-known organizational behavioral psychologist, 
has wrote about this. I do think it's very early on because this is just a few years. So any studies that have been done are very new. And, and I think they are not very conclusive in the end because science is amazing. Studies are amazing, but there's a study for everything, right? So you really need to place context and people are complex human beings. There are some that, you know, showed that especially in the beginning, right? Because I mean, we are, in, imagine the beginning of the pandemic. The world is disrupted, kind of. No one knows what's going to happen. This is unprecedented. So fear levels, anxiety, uncertainty is up. Some people adopted very well working from home and they, they don't necessarily have a negative approach. Others suffered much more. I think the, the results or studies also show that one of the silent killer in the moment is the rising levels of loneliness, right? And not necessarily being with someone else, but people mm -hmm. feeling literally lonely. So I think it is approaching the question from a more practical perspective is what is unfamiliar to the mind feels as a threat. We are creatures of habit, right? So imagine when you, when I, you see my spinning bikes behind, I bought the spinning bike and first I didn't go on it because of laziness as well, but also because of, okay, it's unfamiliar to the mind. I haven't done much spinning. And uh, what if I fall? I don't have the shoes, etc. right? So we make up all kinds of stories in our mind until I got on a spinning time the one time, felt uncomfortable. I even hurt my leg and was bleeding all over, right? But I still went on and on. And now it's something more familiar, right? Mm -hmm. What is unfamiliar to the mind, we tend to avoid because it feels uncomfortable. Right. And this is the same thing when you happen now, when you first people were uncomfortable with the camera, but then you get to know people, you get used to it and you're not as likely to perceive it as a threat. You feel more safer, right? Because you went through it. And the same thing now, if you're going to see people in person, especially, you know, and, and I don't want to discount people who have social anxiety It's very serious. So this does not apply necessarily to them. I'm really speaking to general levels and, and, and to those mm -hmm. who resonate. It is absolutely normal to feel anxious, right? To go meeting a group of people because you have been doing something else again. And, and you're, you know, your, your brain is trying to keep you safe. So it is really changing the image, changing the narrative. What are you telling yourself, right? The most important words we will ever speak are the words we speak to ourselves. That we should not inflict more fear to ourselves. Because more than necessary, because we are experts to, to... Exactly, exactly, right? I was, when I again went outside, I was very anxious. I'm like, oh my God, too many people for me. And uh, I really had to just, you know, uh, go through it. Don't scare myself in their, the internal dialogue. And we feel, mm -hmm. we stigmatize this because we feel very uncomfortable, right? Many people want to show their professional side of maybe organizations. They feel this is therapy material. This is not corporate responsibility, but We've invested a lot of time and effort in building agile systems and agile processes. And I think the world is screaming for now having people-centric approach, right? Yeah. So this corporate responsibility and resilience is not only a personal responsibility. I had mm -hmm. a, a client the other day said that he feels that resilience is kind of an excuse used to have people endure more, do yeah. more in mm -hmm. the current without responsibility from the mm -hmm. owners. So it's really requires rethinking this. Yes, and uh, you, you, you said, and I, th I, I think I can agree that it's not only individual responsibility to, to deal with uncertainty, due to ambiguity, with stress, and also corporations, companies have a role to provide this to their employees. So it has a, um, a, center, a human uh, centric you know, approach. Um, and what are from the experience you have with your clients, what the companies can do to, to help the employees, to help everyone to deal with this uncertainty, this unpredictability on, the, on our environment. So I will use example of how I uh, work with them. And you know some may relate, some uh, may not. I don't believe in one size fits all approach because every organization is unique. So I have a learning path that I always advise my clients with is start with building understanding, not necessarily awareness, right? We throw awareness as a buzzword, but it's one thing to be aware 
right? But if you don't understand what you're aware of, then it's not going to lead to change. So I really advise them to focus on build first understanding from a place of curiosity, non-judgment, right? I, uh, uh, what are the challenges your specific organization faces in the area of the bigger macro security challenges, right? How does that translate in your performance challenges? And what is the end in mind, right? Where do you want to be? What does success look like? And then working with that, translating it, building understanding in people's map of the world, right? For example, when I also have clients that have enterprise models, so you have you know, the legal department, the marketing, security, the innovation and research, uh, financial, et cetera. Mm-hmm. These have all different map of the world. These, uh, their mind is, is, is trained and wired in different ways. And especially when it comes to security, people feel it is a burden on top of their daily job, right? When we don't, and even there is a big gap in cybersecurity workforce and IT professionals because mm-hmm. of everything going on, you know, people are even resigning. I read an article yesterday, uh, one out of 10 IT professionals resign. They quit the, 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 completely the industry because of burnout and, and heavy mm-hmm. work. So mm-hmm. when you communicate from, you know, you must do this, et cetera, People can be aware of it. People can do the training and, and, and absorb that information. But are they going to change their habits? Are they going mm-hmm. to comply? And if they are going to comply, are they complying based on fear, not incentives? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a dichotomy because when we think about security, we think about compliance from fear. We think about, you know, uh, danger, et cetera. So I really interesting changing the notion and perception of what we have with security. So it becomes incentives. It starts mm-hmm. with building understanding, right? Not necessarily just training your people without purpose. Mm-hmm. Then the second phase is how do you build competencies and skill set, right? Soft skills. I don't like to call them soft skills. Simon Sinek refers to them as human skills, but I love because it's mm-hmm. really important. How can we be human in this digital age? And then mm-hmm. I specifically with managers who needs teams because they are the ones who need to implement and lead it and managers mm-hmm. from departments and really build competencies through through uh, fun and play and creative and brainstorming etc because that's when our brain you know learns new information when we feel fear when we are stressed learning new information is extremely difficult mm-hmm. time energy consuming but when mm-hmm. you do and play and Andrew Huberman another brilliant neuroscientist talks about it in a great video on how actually having reduced negative emotions and more neutral and positive emotions will enhance the learning experience so the brain can have different response options right this is mm-hmm. at the heart of changing habits and we don't want to change people who they are we want you know how do you get people to do things differently with information mm-hmm. security and safety in mind especially this is, mm-hmm. this is my area mm-hmm. and then the, the the third part is the generating new habits right because then you have understanding you have group training but then you also need to coach right i coach specifically managers but mm-hmm. really having a roadmap okay what is the end in mind right mm-hmm. i use one of the change management models that I love using is the eight step of Dr. Cutter uh, model and really helping them, you know, with realistic, practical tools, mm-hmm. specific people, right? Their environment to get there where they want and, and, mm-hmm. and help them generate these new habits and advice on how they can lead their teams. So this is the roadmap that I use building mm-hmm. understanding first. And if you are, you know, an organization that is going through this focus first on understanding the context how does this affect you personally how does this affect the different departments in your in in, mm-hmm. in your organization focus on first building on standard before going full-on training because you know then you just get you lose a lot of you invest a lot of money it's high cost and what is the return on investment which is one mm-hmm. of the main people you know organizations are skeptical because the people you don't see necessarily the immediate return on investment and then you focus on competency, skill set building. Who are the change agents? Who are the managers in your organizations that mm-hmm. have, you know, leading these teams that work day to day action? Mm-hmm. And then you know, the, the individual coaching, because that will allow people to understand how they can implement and sustain these changes from their map of the world without mm-hmm. having 
additional, you know, burdens, etc. Because mm -hmm. it is all about value, perceived value, and perceived effort, right? Why would anyone go out of their comfort zone in a world where they already have a million things to do? This is <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's the burden that you were talking about. And for those who work for uh, themselves or they have their own company or they are freelancers, they are as well exposed to risks. So what would be your advice for us <laughs> to cope with this, that risks that we are exposed? I hear this a lot. I also work with entrepreneurs and small businesses in the software as a service or who work a lot with information security because they don't necessarily have the means to you know, come with big technology investments, right? And what was interesting, a lot of the work that I also did in NATO was educating different stakeholders on cyber hygiene. And a fascinating fact that I don't think a lot of people are aware of, 90% of the perceived risk could be diminished by basic cyber hygiene principles, right? This is mm. people. I'm curious, can you give us examples? <laughs> For example, And uh, now we are working from home, right? So a very small example, your Wi-Fi settings, right? Is your Wi-Fi providing broadcasting exterior, exterior? Is it secured? Do you leave it on, especially when you leave with the family? Now, why is this important? It's uh, when you click on links, scammers and criminals are getting better and better at this. They can actually, even if you are aware of it, your son or your daughter right, may click on a link and the need to continue to do what they're doing is much bigger than the need to be alert and focused. Right? They may, and this has happened, right? this is actually happening where they spoof, they have spoof accounts or they lead people to spoof accounts so they can click with their credentials and then they steal credentials, identity credentials. I think there are several... Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult to, to have statistics on how much because obviously organizations are not very keen in sharing this information. And it's important yep. to share this information to have. Mm -hmm. And this is really from a technical perspective I'm sharing now, but this is basic stuff you can do. Understand mm -hmm. how to secure your Wi-Fi so you reduce the temptation, you know, the risk of, of someone else entering. And it requires, you know, family relations because how are you going to convince your 16-year-old son or daughter that they have to come to you <laughs> or they have to, you know, go through a process in order to activate the Wi-Fi? It's not at our disposition, right? It requires mm -hmm. patience. No one has patience nowadays. But this is mm -hmm. one example. The other mm -hmm. example You may, as a freelancer, may perhaps you are uh, someone who coaches clients on a specific niche, right? You have mm -hmm. data on the cloud or online, and it's very secure. And you're very focused on not you know, clicking on links, checking who sends it, because even sometimes one letter is different, but you don't notice it. But what they do is they use words that, that ignite emotions, Maybe emotions of fear, maybe emotions of pleasure, maybe emotions of excitement. I got a lot of spoof emails and SMSs uh, for my writing that I can join big writing clubs and get famous, etc. And I'm like, yeah, I'm Dutch. <laughs> Trust is good, is better. <laughs> I'm like, I know I will be famous with my writing, but not through your scam. <laughs> and, uh, and, but again, it requires me to be alert. I laugh yeah. about it. When I have a bad night of sleep or when I'm distracted, it could be easy actually for me to click on that link, right? Because yeah. I feel negative emotions. It comes back mm -hmm. to what I said before. If we feel a body energy deficit or if we have a belief, right? Mm -hmm. If we are more in autopilot, probably we'll fall exactly. easier in the... Yes. So, you, so for entrepreneurs, I work with them to understand their lifestyle how they work and how they can implement uh, cyber hygiene habits, right? The, the mm -hmm. technical part is obvious. There are, there are a lot of, you know, uh, technical advice out there, but I really work with their mindset to help them feel the fear, feel the emotions, and then empower the brain to ask questions, right? Curiosity, mm -hmm. interesting, right? Let me check hmm. this. Uh, yeah, the right? double check, the double check uh, exactly. process. <laughs> One yeah. element, another one is really important for for everyone, but especially small business entrepreneurs. Uh, crown jewels. This is what they call in the corporate language. Is your most valuable assets. Understand where is your data stored. What is the most important assets, digital assets that you have? That when breached, what will happen? 
it feels uncomfortable, right? If you imagine you have credit card number stored and someone will get your credit card number, what could happen is endlessly. So don't dwell on the fear of what could happen, but what are you going to put in place? Really live from a mindset, not if I will be compromised by when, but from a mm-hmm. place of practical empowerment, not fear. It is mm-hmm. better that you prepare yourself. And prevention. Exactly, readiness. We were always prepared, either in yeah. conflict or to one right prepare it will reduce your fear levels you'll be much more you know okay this is the risk i will tolerate i cannot help if this but at least you're more prepared and it will manage you will free up more energy because you're not so much worried about it right Mm -hmm. and more and more clients and people are really being demanding on their data and information and security etc so these are Mm -hmm. the two advice how can you be more focused and alert ask questions right so you don't necessarily react on impulse from reason and how do the exercise of understanding your crown jewels and the impact if they are breached for your industry for your sector and what are you what are the measures in place to reduce that risk i'm curious to know what i can do to protect my my the recordings of my sessions because they are confidential um of my clients and i have it in a in a drive and i shared the link with the client but now i'm thinking what what else can i do to to protect my data because you know well we have a lot of data that's sensible in our computers in our clouds and whatsoever so and again this is not to scare but it's not only for cyber criminals but also for uh, espionage commercial espionage right so if you have competitors uh, what they also do is through metadata and google drive they can access these these files so multi-factor authentication uh, different security layers i clients they one thing they don't like working about me is the several layers they have to get in <laughs> Right to their data because I'm really like a big of this from my time to NATO now, and I tell them, well, rather you have very secure data than someone else is, you know, exering uh, it. So uh, and and a lot of data I keep on uh, not even on the cloud, right? So like really sensitive data I mm-hmm. keep on hard drive, right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I did this exercise. So what I would advise you is to not panic, but have some measures in place, right? Have multi-factor authentications. Mm-hmm. Uh, have a password manager, right? Vault. There are, uh, you know, more like face ideas. And then here it requires patience because when I need to log in, it takes me five minutes. I need to log in. I need to check my phone. I need to confirm. I need to send the code. Mm-hmm. Very and then you need to take the time for that. So if you're always mm-hmm. in stress mode, right, or if you are facing deadlines, etc., you're probably not going to do it. So especially mm-hmm. if you're an entrepreneur and you're working with data from your clients, right, this is maybe something doesn't come in your mind, but it is confidential in a way. So really understand how can you protect it, right? How long do they need to access the recording? Maybe you can have a 90-day limit and then they keep their recording <laughs> the cloud right it's just thinking uh, how from a space of you know how can i reduce the risk Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes that's that's very interesting to see what our what are exactly the information that we have that's more precious and how to protect it how to build exactly you know barriers around it so it's much more protected we were discussing a lot about how to develop emotional intelligence skills it's not soft skills i hate that (laughs) that name as well but human skills so where should we focus to develop our emotional intelligence i work with a specific model that has uh, that is more functional especially for professionals but it has five areas right it has self-perception self-expression how we communicate with others interpersonal relations how we develop social intelligence with others decision making how we actually make decisions and stress management I always uh, say to anyone, uh, you have to start with you, right? With bias you have, with the thoughts you have, with self-image. Without judgment, we can get very hard on ourselves. And when we go back in time and say, oh, I you know, feel guilty having done that way. Well, you would have done exactly the same thing if you would go back because you have more information now. And we tend to mm-hmm. forget, right? Yeah. Emotion, shame and guilt are really useless. It's just 
collecting data, how can I, you know, grow better? It's adopting this growth mindset, right? So when it comes to emotional intelligence, it's becoming more aware of how you function. How do you view yourself? Someone who is very cerebral, so logical, rational thinking, may feel very uncomfortable even talking about emotions, right? This is not something they learned. This is not something that was modeled. And my father was emotionally unexpressive. So I grew up actually extremely uncomfortable expressing and telling people how I feel. Now, and I'm not talking about, you know, the extreme part of, uh, of, of going around telling everyone how you feel, but having emotion in conversations and relationship is key for building trust. What is one of the biggest pandemic also that we don't see is lack of trust, erosion of trust, erosion of mm -hmm. trust in governments, in institutions, in each other's, in, the, in, in so many areas of our lives, right? Mm -hmm. So... Building trust with people requires understanding, you know, how you view yourself. What are your beliefs about areas? And what are your core values? If uh, you believe, if we, we feel strongly about what we believe. If you have two people, one has a core value of time, right? Being on time. The other core value is more of, you know, freedom, for example. So if they work together, the person that values time and the person that is always five to 10 minutes late, late and doesn't see that as an issue, the person who values time will feel very strongly about it, right? You have emotions of discomfort because it's a core value. It's something that's really important to you for whatever reason. The one that is always five to 10 minutes late values freedom, don't want to be controlled, right? So it comes mm -hmm. first self-awareness before you can understand how can you make a compromise? I will give a very anecdotes example in from my own recent experience. We have new neighbors. I live in an apartment building across the hallway. And with my son, we always leave our shoes outside because then it's for me easier. I don't bring in dirty shoes in the house, right? And uh, mm -hmm. neighbors, I had I overheard them talking. They don't like seeing people's shoes everywhere. So I told my son, we are going to start putting shoes inside the apartment. He's like, well, why are you so easy to manipulate or why are you changing your behavior? I said, I said look, for me, it, I don't feel very strongly of having shoes outside or inside the house. For the neighbors, it's actually really important to have clean visual. So the effort is little and the value of, you know, having someone else mm -hmm. uh, The benefit of uh, having a good neighborhood. <laughs> exactly, yeah. is more important. Yeah. And that's the part that that's the part of decision making, right? Like the way you, you value a balance your values, the other person's values, and you you weight that. Yeah. If it's something that you, you feel very strongly about, for example, one thing I feel strongly about is consistency. I really value consistency. So when I work with people, if I have friends who are inconsistent, right? I then have boundaries. So I or either communicate or find solutions, especially if, you know, if it's work-related. But in my personal life, right, I'm like, okay, then we just don't have the same values. For me, this is important. Integrity, mm -hmm. right? Honesty. And you need to know that about yourself because those emotions will feel very strong. But you also need to be aware that sometimes you will feel very strong and you may think it is about, you know, come up with all kinds of stories. This is called reality testing that in essence, you need a cup of caffeine, right? <laughs> you need a little bit more sleep, you need a little bit more energy yeah. or different food intake. You need Go back to the basics. Go back to the yeah. basics to restore. Exactly. Sometimes it's not as big as, as what you think, mm -hmm. but because we watch the news and the information and social media and we see people mm -hmm. riding Porsches and Rollies and whatever it is, and then we, we compare ourselves, you know our brain is like you know safety 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 and it's like <laughs> always screaming like in the flagging uh threat we have the the real threats that we can sometimes ignore because we are busy but then we have the stories we tell to ourselves and then we make a much bigger story than it needs to be and so we self-impose some stress that it's not needed and it starts with self-understanding and to to be aware of what's in there how can i protect what's real and not so be so alert to things that they're not useful. For example, in my case, I noticed, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago that I was really getting very stressed by seeing the news. So it was the, the, the major crisis, you know, that hit Europe 
I think it was uh, 2011 or so. And I was so stressed, you know, seeing, and I'm a very calm person. And I realized that just by seeing the news every day, you know, with the crisis, the employment, you know, all the economical uh, thing, it was, you know, everything was a mess And that by that time. And I was very exposed to that. And I decided really one day to, I'm not seeing the news anymore. Like I, I only see five minutes of it and then I, I stop, you know, I will see the newspaper, but I will not be exposed to the continuous. I don't know how is the, the media in other countries, but I was in Portugal back then and they're really exposed and they emphasize the bad things, like in a way <laughs> that it's not needed sometimes. So I decided to expose myself less to the news in general. So I'm informed, I, I, I choose what I want to read, but I'm not unnecessarily exposed. And I saw the stress levels immediately going to the normal level. Like I was doing the normal life. I was, you know, doing all the things despite there was a crisis, but I kept things in, in a more normal level of anxiety and stress because it can be a spiral. And I was getting caught on that. And so I stopped. I, okay, I will put a barrier here. And also there was a time that I stopped. I quit all the, the accounts like Facebook. Uh, there wasn't Instagram back then, but Facebook I, for six months I didn't have. And it was an amazing time of my life. I met real people. I made new friends. I was in different activities. So sometimes we, we have to do some a detox of information, technology to get the balance again and then go back sometimes and follow people that are toxic or that sometimes they are giving content that doesn't help us and to stop and do I want to see this? Do I want to be exposed to this or not? Because we are exposed to things that we don't want. That's how companies, the tech companies work. So they patrocinate, they, they sponsor, you know, posts that we want to see supposedly because of our data and yeah this is something that i'm really aware of it and try to avoid as much as possible to to have a, a stress level a normal stress level because yeah it's it's human that we feel fear it's your job to be discerning about what you feed your mind right and how does it feel to you sometimes we need to feel valuing good over being right as well or being yep. you know uh, uh, complying or just because everyone is watching this etc i also don't even don't watch the news here and, and i call friends or even my ex-husband when it comes to my child or oh, what are the, what do i need to be aware of right and this is key <laughs> age of overload right i focus what do i need to be aware of so i can function the best i don't need to be aware of everything i need to be aware of you know the regulation that will impact my ability to work to live in the environment that i live now but i really do not need to be aware of that uh, of certain things right and, and i think when people because of this collective groups and division and polarization and disinformation how we are feeding people's mind they feel kind of guilty if they you know that if someone is, is producing negative contact or negative emotions imagine you have a whole group right and they are talking negatively about the cause and imagine you're saying actually i'm not joining because i feel happy for no reason and i want to take care of how i feel they're gonna look at you like you just worked out of psychiatry right <laughs> <laughs> you need to do that. You need, you are responsible for how you feel, right? You need to take ownership because we think if when someone is you know negative all the time, I'm talking about chronic situations. I'm not talking about if you have a friend or someone who's negative to not help them, of course. But you have a lot of chronic negative information. There's no amount of negativity that you can feel that will help them. It will just grow bigger. But instead, you can be positive emotions or just, you know, lead by example, and you will inspire people to get out of the negative rut, right? To get out of the negative cycle and be more practical in life. And this is an everyday process. We don't, we want quick fixes. We want, how can I be better right now? Every day I make decisions for my well-being, for the well-being of my son. Every day, right? The, the last thing I wanted to say, actually, on how, why emotional intelligence is important is understanding the difference between pain and suffering, right? Pain mm -hmm. happens to us. We can feel physical pain, but emotional, and, and, we, and when we have a physical wound, we don't expect the wound to heal in one hour. 
and the, the brain region responsible for physical pain is the same for emotional pain. Emotional pain is invisible. And yet we try to suppress it or we want to avoid it, which is why we go on to social media or go stick our nose in other people's businesses, right? Mm -hmm. So pain is your human ability. How can you learn to feel pain and discomfort? But suffering is choosing to feel the pain longer than necessary, right? And here is the difference. When we mm -hmm. suffer, an example, right? If you're in a relationship and you broke up, Right? It is a painful experience. Don't try to hide it. Don't you know? You can listen. Of course, if you listen to breakup songs, you'll feel more better, right? So in that moment, feeling good is perhaps crying, eating chocolate, watching you know breakup movies, whatever it is. But if after so many x of weeks amounts, you still go stalking their profile, or you still you know, I wish. I would have been this and this. You're functioning from memory and you're turning the pain into suffering. And you're not allowing yourself to move forward to new opportunities. There are 7 billion people on this planet. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly, right? Yes, it is painful. You need to be optimistic. Yeah. yeah optimistic, not right? How does it get better? How can I, you know, the most important relationship we have in life is not with someone else, it's with ourselves. And when we start working on the relationship with ourselves, how we view ourselves, how we respect ourselves, we can also then teach other people and we will attract those people in our lives as well. So I think this is really important to become comfortable with uncomfortable emotions without coming up with a story. When I'm sad, I feel sad. And, my son, and this is very important for kids. The other day, my son was crying because his girlfriend was playing and then she had to leave. And then, oh my God, it was like... <laughs> Like and I, I didn't tell him buckle up be strong etc I said I allowed him space to cry I said it's normal that you feel negative emotions because you know you miss her and it's is a she didn't cry at all <laughs> and, and 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 I am teaching him to feel all of his emotions because how many men now are incapable right in public feeling their emotion or being vulnerable to the detriment of their own well-being, right? And mm -hmm. they did it. This image, I need to be strong, I need to provide for my family, I need to do this. But guess what? They are human beings as well, right? Yeah. And the men suffer a lot of pressure as well. Men <laughs> suffer a lot in silence. And the more yeah. and now feminist movement because women are sick of of the status quo but a lot of men are kind of you know uh suffering in silence and scared and this has you know we need to talk about these things because it has huge impact i always say i love humanity and i want to create more inclusiveness and we think that just because if a woman feels more empowered it, it has to go to the detriment of the men not at all not at it's all if, if not all men are the same and if a man shows you know bad behavior or whatever that needs to be taken accountability for but doesn't mean that the entire generation of men are going to you know harass all women or are going to right and i and i i got a lot of controversy out of this because people feel that you if you are a feminist you have to be anti-men or if you are pro-men then you must be anti-feminist and i always no. stay dichotomies i never i i never put myself in situations or be forced to group think or just because uh, someone feels very strongly about it. we have free will in life and the last yeah. thing i will say which i think is important for people to understand is uh, embrace truth all truth when you resonate for example if you are with this podcast right you will have a lot of people who resonate with you Maybe one episode you will say something that you believe is true for you and important, but all of a sudden, one of your followers who admired you will all of a sudden not agree, right? And all of a sudden, you turn, they change the perception of you because it's an uncomfortable truth. Well, in reality, you can take that truth and say, interesting, what is this teaching me? And it stems back from childhood because imagine as children, we learn not to tell the truth when we do something wrong because for our parents it was right or wrong so we feel very uncomfortable in telling the truth because we feel like we're going to be punished so you see a lot of tendencies for people to only associate with truth that makes them feel comfortable right that they resonate with but the mm -hmm. biggest growth the biggest self-awareness and growth 
comes when truths that makes you feel uncomfortable. I love seeking truths that makes me feel uncomfortable. I love feedback, right? Because mm-hmm. I have the ability to discern and to say, what is this teaching me, right? Mm-hmm. What do I need to grow on? What do I can, what I can do differently, right? And, and it's, it feels very uncomfortable because of those negative emotions. But at the other end is pure freedom. <laughs> mm-hmm. And freedom to choose after you will be aware of what's happening and also the impact you have on others, for example, it, then you can choose, you can be, you have more options uh, and freedom to, to behave in a way that it's more uh, maybe positive for, for yourself and also for others. This is a very, very interesting topic, Nadia. And I'm, I really want to thank you for sharing all of this wisdom because I think it's wisdom. It really, you have been through so much things and you have been working with so many people. And I think we have pointed out very important topics for nowadays. And that's why I love what you do. And I want, I really wanted to give you voice to express here all these things that we should be aware uh, in this digital world. So where can people find more about yourself, about your work? Where can we find you? Thank you. And first of all, I want to thank you, Ines, because uh, Ines has been a very important part of my journey as well and in helping me find my own voice, right? And really speak with authenticity and conviction. And I'm always very grateful for that. And uh, where can people find me? So if you are an organization, then they can find me at thrivewitheq.com. That's where I have a lot of resources, especially on the digital challenges, especially cyber is one of my main focuses, but not uh, only. I really focus on the human resilience aspect and uh, how you can build healthy security cultures. And you can also check my uh, Building Emotional Firewall project at nadiaalfatasi.com where you can read blogs, my own reflections, and tune in, subscribe to my podcast, Emotional Firewalls, where I, you know, share in a brief time these reflections of, you know, how can people be more emotionally resilient through uh, sharing my insights, through uh, visualizations, through uh, stress relief meditations, everything that really can help people shift from negative emotions to more positive emotions and step more into their personal power and find safety and security within them rather than outside of them because how can we feel safe and secure in a world that is filled with uncertainty and constant change it is within us like a mountain it always stays very strong no matter the storm no matter it may lose some bricks but be the mountain and and it requires you know remembering ourselves through these discussions through these reflections and through these tools to help us shift to more positive emotions this is really a good tagline be the mountain (laughs) nadia thank you so so much for sharing your voice in this podcast and i'm looking forward to to seeing you again to hearing um again and to know more about your your work keep the great, great work you are doing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ines. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode. Did you like it? If so, feel free to spread the word. To discover more about vocal coaching, you can visit my website, voicepowerleadership.com, or contact me through LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. And always remember, your voice matters.